Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you what. I've been putting together a lot of things here to discuss on the show today because clearly there's plenty to discuss. And I'm just going to have to start recording because if I keep throwing things together and moving things around, I'll, I'll never actually get to recording. So here we go. First of all, I want to spend just a moment on whatever that was on TV the other night, that so-called debate. <clears throat> Excuse me. So first of all, you know my take on debates. It's a bunch of brainwashed individuals who are blackmailed and completely owned. Even the Vivek Ramaswamy guy, same thing. He was tied up with the pharmaceutical industry and stocks and the whole thing. He's, he's dirtier than dirty. They all are. That's why they're all up there. That's the whole point. Me personally, again, I watched the Trump interview, and then I watched the remainder of the, uh, of the Fox News shit show there. The point for me is this. It was clearly for the normies, to use that word, the individuals who are still in the matrix, so that they could see that this is not normal. This is just more evidence that this isn't normal, that something else is happening here. And deep down within people, if they think about it, they'll know that this is not normal. This is not your normal election season or presidential run or anything of that nature. Again, everybody on that stage was just yelling back and forth at one another, as they typically do. And those are not the times that we live in anymore. Again, those of us who don't live in the matrix, we can clearly see what's taking place here. Because between Tucker and Donald Trump, who is still the commander-in-chief, you had a very cordial conversation. There were some really interesting questions that were asked about a number of different things, many of which I would say stemmed into what I would call even sort of the normie conspiracy base uh, individuals who, who, would, who would certainly cling on to some certain subjects and enjoy them, like Hillary Clinton being pissed drunk on election night uh, uh, back in, you know, back in 2016. That was always the story. We, we heard it all the way back then, and it got brought up, uh, you know, in that interview. I find that comical. I find that interesting. The Epstein conversation and all the Epstein talk, that was interesting too. He said, well, I think he killed himself, but who knows? I mean, he went back and forth on the whole thing. That right there should prove to people again that there are subjects that are not being discussed that should be discussed. I mean, Tucker point blank looked at him and said, are they trying to kill you? I mean, what are they going to do? Kill you? They're trying to arrest you? And again, as I'm recording this, he's apparently supposed to be arrested here in just a couple of hours. But that right there too, th th that is a very, very serious question. And he, he openly came out again and said, these are sick people. These are very sick people. Uh, they do very terrible things. He knows that they've tried to kill him before numerous times, numerous times, and they're probably still trying to do it, which again brings into question, why would that question get asked during that conversation with Tucker right then and there the day before he's allegedly getting arrested, that he's supposed to turn himself in and get a mugshot and the whole thing? That's happening because maybe he's sending a message to the bad guys that says, look, we, we know that you want me dead. I fully get it, but you're not going to win. You're not going to get what you want. Again, it's, it's an optic operation as well. There's no doubt about it. Donald Trump walks around the United States untouched. He's untouched. 
he has yes security around him, but he has even more supporters around that security. Everybody's in good company, and I understand it only takes one person to do a very terrible thing. And God willing, that will not happen. Hopefully, he doesn't get hurt in any way. But the entire thing is just for optics, and it's just designed to wake up normies. I personally do not think, and I know that this is debated as well, you know, that they're trying to normalize the fact that we're not going to have a 2024 election of any kind. If we did actually vote on election day in 2024, it would have to be run by the military completely. The military would have to be stationed at every polling place. You would have to have soldiers there at every polling place. They would have to kick out all the left-wing loonies and all the other individuals that typically run these elections. That would have to be the case, I would think. You'd have to have paper ballots. They would have to be counted by the military right then and there. And we know that a bunch of people would get real angry and real mad. And there's nothing more hilarious than a whack job leftist getting mad at somebody who's wearing fatigues who's in the military. Because, if they're, because again, they would be openly interfering in an election process being run by the military. They would get arrested. And that would be glorious. That would be a beautiful thing. It would be the enemy taking themselves off of the battlefield, and I would support that 100%. But my take on the entire debate itself was it wasn't a debate. It was criminals trying to make themselves look less criminal in front of people who are allowing them to be criminals. I know that's a bit odd, but that's how odd it is. It really is that strange. Again, I could go down the line with each and every individual. I found it interesting, too. I should say this. Tucker Carlson asked Donald Trump point blank, why do you call Asa Hutchinson Ada? Why do you call him Ada? And he smiled and he, and he looked at him and he goes, well, he goes, I could tell you, but I'd get in a lot of trouble, but uh, I, I'm not going to tell you. He's got the goods on all of these people because he's the commander-in-chief. He knows what's going on. He's in complete and utter control, and the military is in complete and utter control. Again, it can't get more obvious. What would you rather watch? A bunch of people bending the knee to Israel while they stand on a stage and scream and shout about how they're better for Israel and how they're better for the world and whatever else. No one on that stage is for America, not a single person. Their records prove it. They're all nuts. Again, they, they're all on the sinking ship together, and they're all paddling, thinking that they're going to make their way back to shore. It's not going to happen. These people are going to get arrested. I mean, eventually they'll have to get arrested for what they've done in the past. But it's, it's a losing battle. It's just a losing battle. So would you rather, again, watch that on a stage, whatever that was, or a cordial conversation between two individuals, you know, where, where, where the tone was very, very calm. No one's screaming and shouting at one another. Again, that right there is a, is a serious optic. It's a big deal. Because everybody's used to watching these people on stage scream and shout, and then people in the crowd, you know, applaud or yell or do whatever they do. And they're going to keep doing it. I mean, they're still going to have more of these stupid debates. One at the old Reagan Library next to Air Force One and all that nonsense. No one cares. Nobody really cares. It's, it's just, it's a show. It's a complete and utter show. So, 
again, I think that you just have different fractions of, of society. You have those of us who, who fully grasp what's really taking place to the best of our ability and are continuously trying to figure out what's really going on and arrive at objective conclusions. And then you have, on the opposite end, individuals screaming and shouting and saying, you know what? If Vivek Ramaswamy was on the ticket, I would vote for him. And if he was, if it was him and Joe Biden, he's got my vote to be in the White House. Anybody who says that is a buffoon because they don't understand that no one on that stage is going to be president of the United States or in charge of the country. The they won't be the commander in chief, which is the real title now. No one on that stage is going to be the vice president. That's not going to happen either. Those people are going to disappear, and they will either be offed by their blackmailers, or they will just, I don't know, I really don't know, get arrested or just disappear into the ether because there's nowhere else for them to go. They couldn't be more irrelevant. And everybody still needs to see this. People still need to see these idiots just screaming and shouting, and then you turn the channel, and there's Donald Trump. And he's being calm, he's being collected, he's being cool, bit of a sense of humor, he's smiling a little bit. Again, the tone was completely different. So what would you rather have? Which would you rather see? But again, you know, there were certain comments during the thing, I thought it was funny, and an individual emailed me who listens to the show, and they said, I found it funny that uh, DeSantis and a, and a few others said that they would eliminate the Department of Education. I will eliminate the Department of Education, and, I, and, and it needs to happen. They're lying. They're lying. They're not going to do that. They get too much money associating with it. The Bushes have always been tied into the, in, into the Department of Education. It's, it's not, uh, the elimination of it isn't going to happen on their watch. Again, Donald Trump's the commander-in-chief. If the military takes over in some way, they can eliminate all these departments in the blink of an eye. Why? Because they have the goods on all of these departments engaging in serious levels of, of illegality. You've heard me, heard me bring it up numerous times here. Departments of education around the United States engage in child trafficking. American parents send their children to school buildings who are funded and supported by state departments of education. Parents are willfully sending their children into environments that are a part of this illegality, whether they know it or not. And they actually believe they're going to eliminate the Department of Education. You've, you've heard me say, yes, it needs to be eliminated, but it needs to be eliminated not because a politician says so, it needs to be eliminated because the crimes of the Department of Education need to come out into the forefront so that every quote-unquote brainwashed normie can see what they've really been doing this entire time. And it goes way beyond child trafficking, even more subtle. I mean, it's brainwashing. They've been doing that this entire time too, rewriting history, getting students to memorize things that are fictitious and teach them as if they're fact. This has generational ramifications, but without its elimination and its elimination on a, on a logical level so that everybody can see what they've really done, that's when people's jaws are going to drop and their mouths will be gaped wide open and they won't, they won't know which way is up. 
again, if you were to explain this to your average parent who sends their children to a K-12 school, the very next day they would still send them right back to that K-12 school. I have a story a little bit later I want to read about that because it involves a a very particular program that K-12 schools implement to this day. And Vanessa Hurst was the one who brought this to my attention uh, at least a year and a half ago. And it's, and I mean, it's, it's an incredible system that these school systems use to track parents and track children. And if you don't agree to use the system, well, then you get disenrolled and you can't enroll within a school. So again, the illegality is everywhere. But for those idiots on stage to say that they'll just eliminate it, and it was only a few of them said that they would get rid of it, they're lying. They want that stereotypical suburban soccer mom vote. We saw a lot of angry soccer moms at the old school board meetings in past years, which is why I'll tell them what they want to hear. The real quote-unquote soccer mom doesn't send their child to an American K-12 school. They're above it. They're above it. They know what's going on. They want nothing to do with it. And why would they? They know the illegality. They've been personally attacked. Some of them have been arrested. Why in the hell would you send your child back to a school district that wants you to disappear? It, it, it just blows me away. So anyway, they're lying on stage. The whole thing is an optic. I find it absolutely incredible. And uh, again, Donald Trump is the commander in chief. He even said he's the president of everybody. I'm the president of everybody. He's he's talking in the he's talking in the present tense. He's not talking in the past tense. I was the president for everybody. He didn't say was, he said is. I am the president for everybody. Again, I'm not carrying water for the guy, but I'm simply saying that the people criticizing me or criticizing somebody else for seeing what's really taking place here, those individuals need to cool their jets a little bit. Just cool out. You're still watching something you've never seen before. And if you don't know that, then you're not awake yet. You're just not awake yet. There's more going on here. And again, it doesn't mean that we have to know everything that's taking place. We can try to figure it out the best that we can. And trying to figure it out isn't a crime. Thinking is not a crime. We get to keep doing that and critically think. The question is, is how many people are doing that? A lot of people would just dismiss that entire, that entire shit show the other night, and, and they wouldn't pay attention to it whatsoever. And then other people would say, well, I like this person, and I like that person. And then other people would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're watching something we've never seen before. Something else is going on here. People's spidey senses need to be tingling a little bit more now. Why is Donald Trump not on that stage? Why did he choose not to be? Because he's in the lead by a lot, which means everybody behind him is going to lose. Again, I'd be shocked if whatever occurs here in the future turns out to be more of the same of what we've seen in past years. I think all of that's dead and gone. I think it's dead and gone and good riddance. But what you're seeing is is you're seeing the establishment try to keep it alive. Again, with Fox News and their debate and their spin room after the debate. Let's go to the spin room and listen to what Sean Hannity has to say. Who cares what Sean Hannity thinks? Who cares about Fox News? Only the normies who aren't awake are still clinging to that because it's 
still sensational to them to some extent. It, it gets their blood pressure up. Meanwhile, those of us who are awake are calmly watching the whole thing and going, nope, the dude's still the commander in chief. He's still in charge. To hand it over to Joe Biden and not hand it over to the, hand it over to the military in 2020, he would have been violating his oath of office. He had to sign the Insurrection Act. He had to, he had to hand it over to the military. He had to. And he did. And that's what we're watching. We're watching something we've never seen before. So anybody who's, again, making comments about, you know what, I really like what DeSantis had to say. Anybody saying that, they're not awake. They're not awake. Ramaswamy said some really good things. You know, I, I like this guy. He, 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 you know, he's making a lot of sense. Trump should put him in his, in his uh, inner circle when, when he makes it back or something along those lines. Again, nobody on that stage is going to be associated with Donald Trump or the military going forward in the future. Not a one of them. That's why the whole thing's fake. The whole thing is really a show. It truly is. So think on a different dimension about it. Do your best to do, you know, do your best to do that as, as much as you can. Just understand, again, I'm being repetitive, but we're watching something we've never seen before. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know if you've noticed this either, but on Google Maps, Washington, D.C. is no longer called Washington, D.C. It's just called Washington. It's not the District of Columbia anymore. That's a pretty big deal. That's an interesting little change that's taken place, and that's not a little thing. So again, there's more going on here. But if people know where to look and what to see and what to pay attention to, hey, you know, you're going to start thinking on a different dimension. Ironically enough, that's going to tie into something that I'm going to read at the very end of this episode, which I think perfectly describes the different frames of mind that exist in the world and the people that live in it now. There are those of us, of course, who are awake and those who are not. And it's not easy. It's not easy for us to be as awake as we are by the, you know, by the grace of God. And of course, still walk around the individuals who are not and who are not awake. They're just not tuned in to, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not tuned into a different dimension here. They're not, they haven't ascended to a different dimension of thinking. And the moment that they, that they attempt to, it's almost as if they just hit this brick wall and they either just submit mentally or whatever it may be. But there are many of us, again, who can see what's coming and see what's going on. And we're communicating with like-minded people. They, of course, are too, being asleep individuals. And how's that working out for them? Again, you're only as good as the company you keep. It's always been that way. But what's the old saying? Show me your future, or show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. That's true. I was raised with that saying on a constant basis. Again, I kept my friends few. I usually always considered them to be acquaintances, and then that was kind of it. But you keep them few, and again, as as the <laughs> what's the old saying from Al Capone? I'd rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies. It's 100% true, no doubt about it. But along those lines and moving forward here, I have to read this and I have to preface it again by saying that this was tossed to me by a business owner and I've read her emails before. In fact, this is the same individual who will go unnamed 
and I'll do my best to leave their location out as well. But um, they sent me an email a while back that I read on the show. You may recall had a lot to do with their business and them having one of the larger businesses in the state where they live. And then the different tactics that the government was was using to complicate things for a variety of reasons. Well, they've sent me more emails here that I have to read and want to read. And I've been wanting to get them on the show. And again, they know who they are and they have an open invitation. They're welcome to come on anytime. But these emails that they're sending me, I, I, I tell them openly, you know, I hope I can read these on the show. And they say, yes, please do. So I'm going to because this is something I think that Everybody needs to know whether you're in the business field or not. And it specifically has a lot to do with changing laws, regulations, codes, and zoning in order to squeeze out businesses and just crush them. If they change things consistently and all the parameters that businesses have to follow, they know that many of these businesses will just stop doing what they're doing because it's overwhelming for them. So, this individual again has gone has been gone after politically, and I'll read another email that again has to do with donations that they made to Donald Trump, and then what happened to them after they made those donations years ago. So let me get into this first part here, and then I'll read the second part a little bit later when I'm done with this. They said the following. They said I've been considering your very generous offer to come on your show. They said that they're scared to do so. Um, I fully understand, but again. They're, they would remain anonymous. Um, they have a Substack, by the way. It's all about chemtrails. It's pretty good stuff. It's really good stuff, actually. Um, anyway, they said the following here. They said, uh, and again, this has to do with businesses being screwed with by government, by state, local government. And then, of course, we know that those orders are coming from the top. So here's what they said. They said, quote, Another way that the government is secretly seizing land is by changing laws, regulations, codes, and zoning to eliminate to eliminate, excuse me, <clears throat> single family homes and small business ownership. They said basically, they make things so expensive, so complex, and so time-consuming that it becomes unaffordable or completely un- unavailable. They said this also has a huge impact on businesses. My acquaintance who operates a business in, an, in a state told me last week in August of this year that the city sent all businesses a letter that referenced the Maui, Hawaii, and Canada wildfires and stated that due to increased fires across the nation, the city will be changing their requirements for fire codes related to businesses. Again, you can see the overreach here. This is globalism. It says a lengthy list of new requirements was provided and businesses were given only four days until the first inspection from that date of the letter and only two days from actually receiving the letter. Was it an accident that the letter was dated and mailed on a Saturday when the post office doesn't operate on Sundays, thus forcing it to arrive Monday while the inspection was scheduled for Wednesday? They said my acquaintance estimated that it will cost their business at least $2,500 to make all these immediate needed changes. Immediately needed changes, rather. They then said that it was also stated that fire inspections will now occur more, even more regularly to ensure compliance 
to prevent fires. Each inspection is scheduled for a date and time in which the company has no say. The company is then raked over the coals, pun intended, by being forced to pay for these more frequent quote-unquote inspections at a cost that is based on square foot, ranging from $100 to $500 plus per inspection, even if no wrongdoing is found, being that the inspection cost is based on square foot, larger size businesses get hit the hardest, even if the space is only used for storage or is completely empty. According to my acquaintance, these new fire safety requirements are absurd. He stated that, that, quote, it's an expensive, unnecessary revamp of unnecessary things, and proceeded to explain that it goes as far as nitpicking the wall mount that the fire extinguisher sits on, and the wall mount in his business has been up and approved through prior fire, fire inspections for decades until now. The new wall mount must have a redesigned quick, quicker release. Also, he stated the previous requirement for emergency exit signage was to have a sign at each exit that is hardwired to stay on, thus illuminating the word exit. A new ordinance that came several years ago then required that these signs have emergency floodlights above them. Then another ordinance requiring emergency floodlights throughout the building that illuminated a path to the exits. However, he stated the new ordinance does not want these signs and lights hardwired. He was told to remove the hardwiring, cap the ends of the wires, place metal panels over the boxes to close them off, and instead purchase self-recharging exit signs and lights. The reason is because these are eco-friendly, quote-unquote, and in the event of a power outage, they will provide up to 90 minutes of the sign and lights remaining on. Another new, utterly insane requirement is distance between heat ducts and anything. The heat duct, which blows out warm air, used to have a two-foot space requirement, meaning nothing at all could be within two feet diameter around the vent. And new requirements is three feet, which forces my friend to modify and move shelving to allow for an extra one foot of space, despite the air never reaching temperatures over 75 degrees. I mean, even if he wanted to turn his business thermostat up as high as it goes, which is 90 degrees, what exactly goes aflame in 90 degrees air? Anyways, it's another loss of approximately 10 square feet of newly unusable space within the business. At a $3 a square foot, this minor change results in an additional $30 worth of unusable space per month per vent. He stated there's a full list of bullshit like this, quote-unquote, that he was given only 30 days to complete and have re-inspected all in the name of Canada and Hawaii forest fires, quote-unquote. So that was the snippet for tomorrow's Substack post, they said. They said, what isn't in the post that I also wanted to share with you is so fucking insane that if I don't show you, you wouldn't believe me. What the state is doing is going back to tax bills from 2017 through 2021 and tacking on charges even though the bill has been paid.
So they sent me a picture of their of this bill, and they're not lying. It says right here uh, at the bottom that it's income tax, and then it says taxable period twelve nineteen, so December of twenty nineteen, and it says the tax amount that is due is zero dollars. But then they provide them they they assign them a penalty of one hundred and seventy two dollars. And because it hasn't been paid, there's an extra $37 on top of that in an interest penalty. So the total amount that is due on zero tax is $209. Again, they're penalizing them for having no taxes due and no money due because it's already been paid, but they're just sending them penalties now in the mail with interest on top of that. Here's what they said, quote, they are doing this with multiple months, within multiple months all of the sudden. As you will notice in the outstanding debt bill, quote unquote, above, which I just read, there's a zero dollar due with a penalty and interest that grows every month. My accountant said, quote, it's probably easier to just repay them all to make it go away if you have the extra money, unquote. I repaid them. They cash the check and won't apply the payment. Now they're threatening to seize my business. I have spent hours on the phone trying to get them to look at the bills, but they won't. They only accept faxed or snail mail proof of payment sent to their P.O. box. Even if you put signature confirmation or certification of receipt on the mail, they say you never sent it despite signing for it. You can never speak to the same person twice when you call, and every time you call, you are told to fax or mail. There is no email address they will accept proof at. There is nowhere I can drive to hand physically hand it to someone. The craziest part is the proof is what they are sending me, and it says zero dollars due. They upped the game by sending a debt collector after me. At first, I was elated because I thought I could show the debt collector the proof and they would make it end. Nope. The debt collector refused to accept evidence and claims to have no power to close the case, quote-unquote. The debt collector tells me to fax or mail the state. To top it all off, the phone company seized my business phone number earlier this year. No legitimate reason given. My lawyer said, unfortunately, it's the, it's the fine print. They said the phone number being seized caused tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage. As a business, your phone number is everywhere on every business card, every website, every director, every brochure, and poof, it's instantly disconnected. I hope everyone realizes that they are going to take all of our phone numbers. It's just a matter of time. They then said, quote, right after Black Friday of 2022, the busiest time of the entire year, they suspended my company's social media accounts. I do not and have never posted anything political or conspiracy, quote unquote. It's a business that sells clothing, nothing more. They claim some, someone in something. My computer was selling at some point in time was fake or counterfeit. It took until April of 2023, to get the accounts back. The process to get them back 
involved my lawyer having to send all of my company's contracts with designers to show the products are real, which is absolutely mind-blowing that a licensed, registered, confirmed business that has been around for 20 years has to send their contracts to an anonymous person at Instagram and Facebook so they can have a look at them and decide if they think they're sufficient enough to allow the business back on their sit. Sorry, I don't know what that, what that is. And then they wrapped it up and they said this, quote, It has become very clear that they're in a mad rush to close businesses by 2030. It's terrifying, but it's better to know what is happening than to not know. Anyways, I'll continue to think about your generous offer. Just wanted to keep you posted. As always, keep up the amazing work. It's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. This is happening to an ethical business owner, multiple ethical business owners, and it's all on purpose. It's just a giant on purpose. Let me read this second email that they sent me then, which again directly ties in and it certainly provides a motivation. And it's a criminal motivation here as to, as to of course, what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. They said the following. Um, I asked, I I basically said this, I I said to them, this is clearly fraud, of course, certainly with the bill that they're, that they're having them, you know, that they're telling them they have to pay where there's a zero balance, but they're just being charged fees and then interest on top of that on a month in month out basis or however frequent it is. But I asked them if they got a lawyer, of course, or I mean, they would have to being a business owner, but. They said the following. They said, I did get a lawyer and try to fight some things, but they have the ability to drag it out and bury you. Being that they already are trying to destroy me in every way, I figured I should just keep my head down, keep spreading the truth, and keep making enough money to keep food on the table for my staff and quality coffee in the break room. It's really sad that it's come to this, but all we can do is live to fight another day. I guess I'll tell you a quick summary of how the chaos. I now call life began because I am really afraid to speak publicly. Here's what they said. They said, quote, on March 29th of 2019, I made a large donation to Trump. I kept it under $10,000 because at the time, that amount was federal. So I knew it would be held for investigation if it hit 10 grand or more. But you could donate $9,999.99 or less without issue. They said, anyway, April 4th of 2019, I was in Mexico when I got an email saying my company's YouTube was closed. I immediately panicked, but assumed the lawyer would sort it out quickly. Obviously, it must have been a mistake, being that I've done nothing wrong. It was just a business account, nothing remotely questionable, quote-unquote. It was my lawyer's first case of social media wrongdoing. Keep in mind that this is only about eight months after Alex Jones was banned from YouTube and everywhere, and the mass censorship wasn't in full swing yet. I remember. I remember that time. Monumental, actually. Very historic time. They said the following, My lawyer said he was absolutely shocked. YouTube refused to respond to him. There was no number he could call. He certified mailed a demand to unlock the account, no reply. He emailed general support to ask for the lawyer's info, no reply. He said he's never seen anything like this. 
Then if I, <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, if I, if I had a nickel for every time I've heard a lawyer say, we've never even heard of anything like this, when it's us that's bringing the information to the lawyer, when you would think that the lawyer would know, it's astounding. I mean, I, m- myself, I should say, in my family, I mean, we, were pro- we approached a lawyer uh, a long time ago, and, and the lawyer had no idea what the word doxing meant. He didn't know what doxing was, that when someone gets doxed, I mean, it's Bolshevism, but again, he had no clue. I had to educate the guy on what this was. It's astounding. Anyway, they continued. They said then, if I recall correctly, it was April 8th of 2019 when $12,000 already invested into my lawyer, they, Google, took my company's blog, which was blogger.com or blogspot.com. They said I broke down crying hysterically at work because everything was gone. Like everyone else in the world, I didn't back up my company's 14,000 YouTube videos or my 11 years worth of blog posts. I didn't have access to the sub's email addresses, and every single product listing on my website had embedded videos and blog links. And you know what happens when they ban you. All those videos and links turn to errors. It tanked the company overnight, and they literally did it overnight. They banned both at 4 a.m. on different days. I couldn't figure out why on earth this was happening to me. I thought I'd lost everything. I still thought it was a mistake, and I still had a silver sliver of hope, rather, that the lawyer would work it out. Then the news breaks that YouTube did a mass ban April 4th through the 9th in 2019. This was when they labeled everything violation of policy, and we first heard hate speech, quote-unquote. This is when they started wiping out tens of thousands of accounts for the first time ever. Everyone who didn't see the slippery slope was in shock that it was more than just Alex Jones, quote-unquote. Then it happened. They said, I was looking in my personal email, Gmail, for an invoice from a supplier, and there it was, the receipt for the donation in my Gmail. I opened it, and it said, donation to Donald Trump campaign, donation on behalf of their company, and then donated by their name, and then the amount. They said the following, quote, it hit me like a ton of fucking bricks. I put two and two together. They were deleting all accounts that had that, that had donated to or worked directly with the Trump organization. They went after his funding. If you think back through the list of everyone who got banned in the first wave, that's exactly how they chose their targets. And think about this. Every person who had an Android phone had a Gmail. Every person who used YouTube, Google Business had a Gmail. Every blogger profile was a Gmail. They realized they could scan it all for donations to Trump. They did. And in a mass swoop, they took us all out. It's brilliantly diabolical. They thought if they capsized all of of the funders, the Trump campaign will tank because they knew his funding was coming from the people and small businesses, not the George Soroses of the world. Ever since then, it has been one crushing blow after another. As soon as I recover from one thing, they do something else horrible to me. The new thing is they are limiting traffic to my site. If I pay Google $60,000 a year, they will let some traffic through, but it's nowhere near what it was. Even the female-owned business badge is not the same 
because I'm still shadow banned as a company. I guarantee a large quantity of small businesses are going through the same thing, but are too terrified to tell anyone. I was until I told you. In closing, people need to get the F off of Gmail. I've been begging Renette Sunham to stop using it. She has all of the court evidence going there. I told her I will email her a ton of stuff, but I refused to send it to a Gmail. I tried explaining that the enemy is reading every bit of her case, every bit of, every bit of her case strategy, which, by the way, again, Renette's going after chemtrails um, and geoengineering in California. I mean, think about that. That's, that's a difficult one right there. And she will always be one step behind, but no one seems to believe how serious this is. Unquote. Again, uh, they, they raise excellent points. All, all of that is horrific. It's beyond horrific because you're not just talking about the business owner, of course. You're talking about everybody who works for the business. And this individual hires a great deal of people. And so you're talking about the livelihoods of endless people. Why? Because they're being attacked by these criminal organizations. This is criminal. It's criminal. These media companies are going after the average American citizen and the average American company, regardless of size. And they're destroying them. This is Bolshevism, without a doubt. Uh, I have to tell you something, too. I'm going to link this in the description below. And if you have four, four and a half hours over the weekend or, or any time, again, you can space it out anytime you want, but there's a book, an audio book here that a listener of the show sent me, and I'm almost done with it. And it is arguably one of the best history lessons that I've ever received regarding the money lenders and the money controllers. And yes, many of them are Jewish and they're all Jewish for the most part. But the point is, is that it's, it's one of the best history lessons from the 1800s, as this book was written in 1890. And the book is titled The Great Red Dragon or London Money Power. And it's written by L.B. Woolfolk, W-O-O-L-F-O-L-K. I'll link it in the description below of this episode. I have to tell you, it is overwhelming. It's, it's, uh, and that's putting it mildly. One of the main themes throughout the entire book is not just, of course, the Jewish control of all of the money and all of the lending and the borrowing and, and everything. And again, they can play individuals against one another and they can take a company in the blink of an eye. But there's a theme that runs through it also, which is throughout history, when we've been shown someone who is a seeming American, okay, even like a Rockefeller or a Vanderbilt, or all these other families, these individuals were all owned by London Jews. They were all owned by the moneylenders coming straight out of London. So many of those individuals, again, were flat broke. The Rockefellers, the, the, the Vanderbilts, all of them, they were all broke. But all of a the sudden, they make a trip to London, and then what do they do? The moneylenders look at them and they say, we'll give you money. And then what you'll do is, is you'll go buy the land, or you'll go buy railways, and you'll buy all the means with which people use transportation and farming and building. And basically what will happen is, is you'll be the front man. 
You'll be the front man of the business so that the Americans can write about you being the person who owns it when really it's us who owns it. And I'm telling you, you get about an hour into this book, and what you end up recognizing is that we own nothing. That America has actually owned nothing this entire time. The American people don't own anything. Everything is owned by the moneylenders. Everything is owned, again, stretching all the way back to London, of course, being the hub of all of the money, which is really since the formation of this country, certainly the Revolutionary War. That was kind of one of the deals that ended the Revolutionary War was that London would still have power here, and they have. But until all of those cords are cut and all of those strings are cut, they're still going to own all of these companies. They might put an American citizen, again, at the forefront to be the headpiece of a particular company. And it just so happens, of course, that many of these people, again, are Jewish. They have Jewish last names and, and bloodlines, and, and they're, not, they're not afraid of that anymore. They openly state, though, in this book that they were afraid of that back then. They didn't want somebody with a Jewish name to be the front man in America owning railways, owning transportation, owning the roads, owning the land, because that would raise suspicions and they didn't want that to be the case. So what do they do? They pay an American with an Anglo-Saxon name and they, and they have that individual be the front man. Now, of course, they got lazy over the course of time and they started to just throw their own people out there and have their own people be in charge. But th they were very sneaky about it initially, because they knew, again, that people would start to ask questions. Why is it that everybody uh, has the last name Berg or Cohen or Schlansky or whatever the hell? And then it would turn into this you know, potential revolt, and they didn't want that. They just wanted to lull everybody asleep. So again, the Vanderbilts, for example, were flat broke. He goes to London, he gets a, a million dollars, comes back with a million dollars, and starts buying up railways. He pays back. He, he ends up paying the moneylenders, of course, way more money. But he himself, of course, is making money because, well, he's the front man. So that's, that's really the scheme of everything that's happening here. It's no different with, with the tech companies. Same thing. Same thing. Elon Musk is the front man. He's just the front man. People are buying into him, and well, he's a good person, and he's innovative. I heard I heard some nitwit the other day say, who was it? Uh, Colonel McGregor was talking with Tucker Carlson, and he said something like, Elon Musk is the only American making anything. He, he's an innovator. I see him as an innovator. He's, he's making things. No, he isn't. He's not making anything. He's never made anything. He's just been the front man. So I'm telling you, you, you got to listen to this book. It is, it is monumental. And thank you again to the person who sent it to me. It's fantastic. And it's frightening because this is happening with this business owner that I just described. And by the way, I want to thank them personally for subscribing. Uh, they decided to subscribe to my Substack channel with a $5 donation. I appreciate that. I really do. And they have a Substack as well, by the way which I'll mention right now. It is chemtrails.substack.com. There you go. chemtrails.substack.com. I, uh, I will link that in the description below also. They have a great deal of articles here. 
a ton of resources. So there you have it. Um, it's frightening stuff. I, 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 you know, I don't know what else I can say other than it's criminal. It's been a scheme for a very long time. And when something rears its ugly head and then someone does something or writes something or provides a donation to somewhere where the individuals doing the controlling don't like it, well, that, that case that I just described right there from this patriotic American and this individual, I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute nightmare. But it doesn't mean that we should quit. I don't think, and it certainly doesn't mean that we should stop, but you can clearly see how it would make people quit and how it would back people into a corner where they just say, to hell with it. See, that's what the enemy really has in store here. That's what the enemy wants. They want people to back down. They want you to give up, close your doors, lay people off. That's the point, and that's the point that she's making here too. That's the war also is to crush American businesses with all of these ridiculous regulations. And then, even if they abide by the regulations, you start searching up their social media and you crush them that way. Even if they've done nothing wrong, which again, (laughs) what's wrong and what's not? They have social media pages that are dedicated to their business. Even if it was political, who cares? The fact that they couldn't even have anything political as a business, and you know they may not want to from a business standpoint, certainly based on customers' perspectives on things and their lack of knowledge on particular things, but even so, even if they decided to put out something political, which many businesses do, if it's not the right politics, then they'll, they'll crush you. So it's an interesting lesson without a doubt, and it's certainly an interesting reminder that it wasn't just Alex Jones or X-22 Report or Amazing Polly and all these other individuals who are making a living utilizing these social media platforms. It was your everyday American business that they got crushed and they got attacked during that social media purge also. And this is just one case. If this one individual is sending me this one horrific detailed case, you can't, um, I mean, we can't even begin to imagine how frequently this has taken place. So I commend them, I commend them for what they're doing. They're continuing to stand up to what they're doing, and they're, they're sending out a warning to people. They want these businesses crushed by 2030, gone, all of them. I think people should heed that warning and recognize that. Do whatever you have to do to make other arrangements. Again, get off of Gmail, as she said. Build different websites that are off of Gmail servers and off of those particular platforms. Uh, yeah, there you go. This has happened to me only once. Again, it's, it, it pales in comparison clearly, but you know, I woke up one morning a couple of weeks ago and my website was completely down. Unfortunately, I use um, a Google website builder. It is called Website Builder, but that's the that's the system I use to to house the website, and I I don't use a Gmail account to do it. It's it's my Proton email account. But the point is, is that it didn't work for many many hours, and there was no email that I received that said, "Hey, we're doing some some maintenance on the website or maintenance on our servers, which is why your site will be down." The site was just down. And when that happens, when you're a person who has a website with a lot of valuable content on it, uh, you know, there's a chill that goes down your spine for just a second. 
but I can only imagine someone who employs a great deal of people and brings in copious amounts of money and copious amounts of business uh, in order to do what they're doing, which is clearly on a different level than anything I have going here. But that's the warning, ladies and gentlemen. You've, you've heard it here, and uh, you've heard it directly from an individual who is an American business owner who experienced it themselves. So pray for them. Pray that the, uh, the government stops what they're doing and that we can right this ship in some way. Because again, these regulations are going to continue to work against us because that's the plan. That's their plan. Okay. Moving on here, there's really no segue. Uh, I just have a couple of school stories that I want to bring up, education-related things, because again, as we know, school is back into full swing. And then I have some jab-related stuff as well, and then again, a very important little uh, written piece here that has to do with thinking on a different dimension and how those of us who do that, it uh, you know, it's it's not always easy for us, but it's necessary. And it's certainly a part of the greater the greater picture here. So either way, there was a um, I'll mention this very quickly. There was an Ohio school bus crash the other day on the first day of school in the Springfield area, if I'm not mistaken, of Ohio and uh, Clark County. I could have the location. Uh, they, yeah, it is Springfield. Anyway, a student lost their life. Twenty some odd students were injured on the bus. And I'm just going to read this particular post here. There was no indication that the driver was jabbed. The driver was not arrested. The driver did not go to the hospital after the uh, the bus left the road. I saw footage of the bus crash, and the bus flipped, and it just tipped over. Essentially, they were going around a turn. It was just you know a, a one way or you know a two lane highway kind of thing. One one coming in one direction, one going in the other. And they claimed that the bus or the car, one or the other, that was coming in the opposite direction passed over the line. The bus tried to avoid them, allegedly. And then uh, they ended up clipping the car. And as a result, the bus kind of rolled over into this into this ditch. It wasn't a deep ditch. It was a big grassy field, but it didn't matter. It was enough to to kill a student. Um, there's a couple of tweets here. And the first one is from Governor Mike DeWine, who is an abomination. It's, he said the following. He said, this morning's school bus accident in Clark County is truly heartbreaking. Fran and I offer our sincere condolences to the family of the young child who was killed. Our hearts also go out to those on the bus and their families, peers and teachers. Our prayers are with you all. A person responded to DeWine and said, population of around 70,000 in Springfield, Ohio, and they have welcomed in around 10,000 Haitian refugees in the past few years. The driver of the van that caused this wreck was one of them, FYI. So there's that. The driver of the van, again, was a Haitian individual. Now, were they arrested? Did they have a driver's license? You know, these these are questions that need to be asked. Um, this is a this is then a tweet from back in October of 2022, a year ago, where Governor Mike DeWine said, "Today, Fran and I are traveling Ohio. 
for hashtag MFG Day 2022 to meet many of Ohio's skilled workers. Our first stop was at Pentaflex in Springfield, where we enjoyed talking with employees, including several originally from Haiti, where we started a school in honor of our daughter, Becky. So the DeWines have a school in Haiti, and the DeWines are bringing Haitians to Ohio. Does any of this sound suspicious to anybody with a brain in their skull? And then a Haitian was behind the wheel of the van that swerved and caused the bus to swerve, which ended up killing a kid. I think it's official that diversity is not our strength. And flooding our country with illegals is getting Americans killed. Honestly, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it, uh, rubbing my face again, you know, I'm just going to rub the skin right off my forehead. This is, this is an abomination. Absolutely unbelievable. That's not unbelievable. It's very believable because it happens daily. And this story, I might add, I mean, it, it slipped, it almost slipped right past me. But some people sent this to me, and they went, hey, did you see this? In fact, I think it was Sicily. Sicily sent this to me. She goes, so this just happened? Did you hear about this? And I was like, no. Again, Springfield's about an hour and a half away from me. Not that far away. Hour, maybe. North. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Get these Haitians out of here. And why is Mike DeWine, why, why does he have a school in Haiti? Of all the places. To have a school, for Mike DeWine to set up a school, it has to be in Haiti. Child trafficking, perhaps, Mike? You think? Are we going to see him swing and those uh, Coke bottle glasses are going to pop right off of his skull? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. It's disgusting. Speaking of disgusting, let's keep going down this train, shall we? iHeart.com, teacher charged in student rape, posted about kids. Understanding what consent means. There's a picture of that psycho, a Melissa Rockincesis, if that's her name, don't care. It says, a married Queens middle school teacher accused of raping and sexually abusing a 14 year old student had previously shared a post on her Facebook account highlighting how to, quote, help kids understand consent. They were charged with rape, sexual, uh, sexual, criminal sexual contact or I'm sorry, criminal sexual act, and acting in a manner injurious to a child less than 17 years old on Tuesday. They had previously shared an infographic entitled Helping Kids Understand Consent, which included things that were considered to be quote-unquote helpful and not helpful. They were making $85,000 last year in a Queens school I'm sorry, they had previously been a dean of a Queen's school where they were making $85,000 a year. And then this was some kind of a like performing arts school or something. Uh, disgusting. So they're done. Good riddance. Here's another one. And this ties into the surveillance thing that I mentioned at the beginning. This again is, is information that Vanessa Hurst brought to my attention 
that her school district, her child's school district down in Kentucky was engaging in, and this is remarkably common among numerous school districts. But get a load of this. This is from The Blaze, and it is titled, Mother Required to Sign a Non-Disclosure Agreement to Enter Public Middle School, the Lawsuit Claims. It says a Texas mother was told earlier this month that she would have to sign a non-disclosure agreement to enter a public school where she was attempting to re-enroll her child, according to a lawsuit obtained by the Daily Caller News Foundation. I think I'm getting her name right, maybe not. Uh, Amber Longars filed a complaint against Junston Independent School District after school officials allegedly told her that she had to sign a NDA to enter Kitty Hawk Middle School. It says, according to her, she arrived at the middle school on August 15th to enroll her child for the upcoming school year, but was prompted to sign the agreement. Photographs of the contract shared with the DCNF showed that the non-disclosure agreement on an iPad with her name on it pre-populated on the form. It says, during the previous school years, Parents and visitors were required to complete a check-in form and show photo identification when attempting to enter the campus, she explained. She noted that they were never required to sign any contracts, particularly those uh, restricting speech. It says, and here's the kicker, it says the district's policy confirms that visitors must undergo a third-party Raptor, R-A-P-T-O-R, Raptor check-in process to enter the school, but does not mention any other updates to the policy the DCNF reported. Now, this is testing your memory. I fully understand. But Vanessa Hurst, when she was on the show here from Kentucky, she brought up this Raptor policy and this Raptor surveillance program, and it is a surveillance program. It keeps track of your picture your children's picture. It, of course, is designed under the guise of being, you know, a safety protocol. But really what it is, is it's a monitoring device. It's a monitoring cybersecurity, uh, cyber surveillance, rather, program where they have all of your personal information, all of the child's personal information. And ultimately, if the school district doesn't like something that you're doing, Well, then they're going to single you out and they can disenroll your kid. Or if your kid's doing something that maybe you can't re-enroll your child or you can't re-enroll future children that you have because you've disrupted their, their raptor parameters and all that fine print. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement to enter an American K-12 school, whether it be public, private, or charter, That should be your red flag that you don't belong there. I'm serious. It can't get more obvious that these are not the environments you need to be in. They're making it (laughs) honest as shit. They're they're normalizing the police state as much as they can in these school districts because they want you to believe that this is normal. They're normalizing this insanity and calling it normal. There's nothing normal about this. Nothing normal about it. You have got to leave these environments. Here's what happened when she refused to sign the contract. She was denied access to the school, 
and then she was told that she could not re-enroll her child for the year according to a video recording shared with the outlet. In the video, she discusses how the NDA requirement with the Assistant Superintendent of Operations, a Joseph Geerty, if I'm saying that right, don't care, who claimed the contract was there to protect children. Well, of course they think that. Of course they do. The people who work at the top within school districts are either stupid, naive, or they're criminals. Or they're all of those three. They're sold these programs and paid to implement these programs. And then when the program like Raptor is implemented, Raptor, of course, gets the kickback. So you're not going to find anybody who's implementing these programs. They're not going to say anything bad about these programs. They're not going to say anything bad about Raptor because if they do, well, they're gone. The Raptor, the, the Raptor company will remain, but the person doing the bad mouthing will disappear. This woman said that she believed that the district was attempting to hide something by forcing visitors to agree not to discuss their experiences at the school. You think? <laughs> you think? Pretty much the dead giveaway. She stated that she felt backed into a corner. No kidding. On August 20th, I'm sorry, I uh, skipped that. Uh, but, but, but here we go. Quote, I started thinking about all the people who were in a hurry. It made me really nervous to think that there were so many people who were signing it without even realizing what it was. She told the DCNF, quote, I told them that they laughed at me, that when they laughed at me, I knew that something needed to be done, unquote. Yes. Yes. When you raise a question with, with a school employee about something that looks suspicious to you, or why am I having to do this? If they laugh it off, that means that they've been criticized for the thing that they're trying to get you to sign off on. If they've been criticized for it, then there's teeth there. There's something there. It has, it has teeth. You need to pay attention to that. That's the red flag. The easiest solution, of course, is to teach your children to read and write, and therefore they can teach themselves. And then, of course, you don't have to be associated with these brainwashing indoctrination camps that we call American schools. You can just leave. Again, uh, you know, you're signing away your, your security here. You're signing away your personal information. And I might add, there are probably numerous American parents who sign off on all those papers at the beginning of a school year and have no idea that they're signing into this Raptor program. They probably have no idea. So it doesn't have to be on an iPad per se. It could be just a form that goes home with their kid in their kid's backpack, and then the parents blindly sign it and then say, here you go, send it back, turn it in to your homeroom teacher, whatever. And then that's the end of it. Uh, it's disgusting. It says, it wraps up here. It says, on August 22nd, she was informed that visitors would no longer be asked to sign the agreement to access the school's campus. She stated that the district's legal representative, a lawyer, Jameson Baker told her that the contract was a default document within the district's visitor system. Aaron Tier, the director of public advocacy with the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, told the DCNF, quote, It's hard to understand why a school district would require students' parents to sign this non-disclosure agreement as a condition to enter the school. 
Judson Independent School District cannot broadly prohibit parents from discussing issues of information related to the school tier added. Judson Independent School District did not respond to a request for comment from the DCNF, unquote. No kidding, they didn't. They don't want parents walking into a school building, seeing something suspicious, even recording something suspicious, and then getting on their social media accounts and then talking about it or even showing it. Because then, of course, legal action will find the parent, the kid will get kicked out, and then the family won't be allowed to come back. Ladies and gentlemen, why would you want to even be there then? Why would you want to even be associated with such a school district that did such a thing? That's the red flag. That's the indication that you need to go away and get out of there. Absolutely nuts, but there you go. You heard it here first years ago. Vanessa Hurst brought it to this show, the Raptor program being a super surveillance program with wanting people's IDs and all of that stuff. Again, all under the guise of student safety and school safety. No, that's not it. That's not it. It's a surveillance program. And who are they selling that information to? Who are the funders of the Raptor program, you might, you might ask? The United Arab Emirates? The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? The Zuckerbergs? They're child traffickers. These organizations and these people traffic children. They're in Maui right now, for Christ's sake. I've seen videos, again, of, of individuals who live on Maui and, and live on those islands that they know that the Zuckerbergs own land there and the Zuckerbergs are a part of this. They, they're a part of what's going on over there. Again, these dots are on top of each other. They're stacking on top of each other. You can't avoid it. And there you go. There's one other education story here, and then I'm going to move on to jab-related things. A listener of the show sent this my way, a very sad case. Um, it's an older female teacher in an Oklahoma school, an elementary school, and I'm just going to read the YouTube description. This is on Law and Crime on, on their website. Um, the video, again, is, is badge cam footage from a police officer, approximately 35 minutes long. Here's what the description of the video says. This is from August 22nd. It says, Body cam footage shows a third grade teacher being questioned by Oklahoma police after allegedly showing up heavily intoxicated on the first day of school on August 17th. The video shows Kimberly Coates awkwardly denying being drunk before blowing a .24 blood alcohol content during a breathalyzer test. Coates would later admit to drinking late the night before and the next morning on her way to work, but denied having any alcohol on school property. The school resource officer pressed her, referencing her cup of juice, quote-unquote. And then there is a quotation here that says, want to try that again? That there is wine, the officer said. Perkins police took Coates into custody and later released her. It's unclear whether formal charges will be filed against her. Read more for the story, and there's a link. It's, um, I'm going to tell you something. This is, this is a sad case. This is remarkably common in the American K-12 school system. Substance abuse of any kind is remarkably common. You have individuals now with, in particular with CBD being legal 
and uh, low levels of THC being legal, if it's not a part of the contract of a school teacher, theoretically a teacher can show up just drop dead high, higher than a hippie on a helicopter, and they'll be delivering instruction. Um, it's just it's just remarkably sad and remarkably remarkably common. I've written about this in almost all of my books to some extent, certainly in the book um, The Mental and Emotional State of School-Age Students, I believe, and certainly Violence Among Students and School Staff. This is a woman, again, who's, who's older. She should retire uh, as a result of getting caught, of course, and, and having this clear problem. She should have she retired a long time ago before it crept its way into her line of work. How long has she been drinking on the job? Only she and God know the answer to that one. But me personally, I, I've been, again, a, both a student and a school teacher in buildings where teachers were abusing drugs and alcohol, without a doubt. I know this for a fact. Some of them keep their jobs and some of them don't. Some of them get moved to a different school, and some of them don't. But it's a sad state of affairs, and you have to understand this dynamic, which again is, is really ironic, I think. You have school administrators in this room questioning this teacher in the presence of a police officer, as if the administrators are investigators, which they love pretending to be. They love thinking that they have the upper hand on someone and they love thinking that student safety is their number one concern. Ladies and gentlemen, these were the same administrators who abused all of their staff members and all of the students in their buildings over the course of the last three years. All of them. They made them all wear the mask, after all. They gagged all of them. You've heard me beat this dead horse. If they'd have done it in 2019, they'd have all lost their jobs. They would have been psychologically evaluated, arrested, and then fired, and they would have lost their administrative or teacher certification. But nope, if everybody's doing it, then it's acceptable. See, this particular teacher was observed by this administrator, this male administrator in the video, and he basically says, you just seem off to me. You just seem off. So then that's when he called the resource officer and said, she seems like something is off with her, whether she's taken medication, which again, she openly states that she had earlier, but then it turns out that again, she's, she's drinking also. Could be both, who knows. Either way, th th this administrator again, doing this, and he has to do it legally, and he should have done it, but this is the same guy who is gagging children. I mean, you see the irony in that? He's, he's trying to take the high ground. I'm trying to protect everybody because I'm an administrator and that's my job. Billy, if you take your mask off, I'm going to uh, expel you and certainly suspend you from the school because you breathing freely is putting other people in danger. It's an insane asylum. Do you understand what's happening here? It's an insane asylum. You have to stop sending your kids to these environments. Get them out. No one's thinking logically. No one associated with these environments is thinking clearly. I don't give a shit if it's a K-12 public-private charter, if, if there's tuition involved and the parents are paying copious amounts of money to send their kids there. 
they're equally as stupid. It's, it's that simple. Okay, shifting gears here now into the COVID hoax and uh, the jabs and all of this stuff. This continues, of course, to roll downhill. And there's a particular document here that I want to read through very quickly. It, of course, has been making the rounds online. And it's a federal supply schedule form. There are two sections of this federal supply schedule. One is for the General Services Administration in the United States by what's called the company or the recipient of this from the General Services Admission or Administration, rather, is called Green Coat Solutions LLC out of Denver, Colorado. This again has to do with all of the COVID materials, the gloves, the masks, and and everything else. At least that's my understanding. Um, it could be other COVID-related things as well, but it certainly seems to be some kind of an agreement where companies are going to start pushing all of this stuff and certainly this narrative, and they're being paid to do so. Now, very quickly, if you recall, the whole legal definition of the word mandate does not mean mandatory, as I've been over before. But there's a stipulation in that definition that says, under no circumstance can anybody mandate anything if that group that is mandating something is being paid to do so. But we know that every school district across the United States, and now we know companies themselves, were being paid by the governments around the world to make mandates. Again, it seems to violate the actual definition of the word. Either way, this is General Services Administration. One, again, is, is out of Denver, Colorado, called Green Coat Solutions, LLC. And the second one is titled EVAC USLED Incorporated out of Toronto, Canada. It says that they are receiving, let's see, it says the following here. It says this contract includes the Federal Acquisition Regulation, or FAR, clause 5222399 ensuring adequate COVID-19 safety protocols for federal contractors, federal supply schedule contract. For the one out of the United States, the start date is August 26th of 2023, and the ordering period end date is August 25th of 2028. So you can see that that's a, that's a, that's a long contract, real long contract, isn't it? A lot of years there, certainly five years. Uh, what do they have planned over the next five years? Or, or are they going to attempt, I should say, over the next five years? And then the one for Canada, it does not have a specific start or end date, but we can assume it's generally the same, same time period, probably five years long. But the start date, it says, is in September, and the ordering period end date is sometime in August Again, I'm assuming five years later. For some reason, it's cut off of this particular form. But the point is this. Governments are, are contracting out to companies to have them implement all of these policies and procedures. They're, they're getting paid to do this by government. Seems highly illegal. Of course, that's just me, but yeah, seems highly illegal. And the timing, again is uh, remarkably important, I think. Here's another one. This is from VigilantNews.com. A disturbing trend. Maternal death rates have soared 
in America since the vaccine rollout. The CDC separately has told us 65% of women who delivered a baby in the United States took a shot either before the pregnancy or during the pregnancy. The terrible report by the National Center for Health Statistics published on the CDC's website came out in the spring of this year, reported, uh, well, Peter McCullough, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. Again, we knew this. This wasn't, you know, this isn't new. Um, Mothers are dying in birth when they themselves have been jabbed. I mean, it's every conceivable scenario that you could possibly imagine is occurring with these shots, in particular, again, around reproductive organs and, of course, every other body system. But it is interesting, again, that certain individuals will hone in on a particular area as to how it's impacting that particular body system. But yes, the reproductive system, we've known this. This isn't going to get better with time. So again, I'm glad that these people are putting out these articles, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not new. Let me read again just some headlines here from Dr. William Mackis, because again, he's, you know, he's got a massive substack. He, he, pumps these, he pumps these substacks out multiple a day, but uh, it's interesting stuff. And again, thankfully, you know, I, I, I don't have to pay to read it, but he certainly has a bunch of them here, and fortunately, it's all in the headlines, which is good enough. So let me go back in time here and read some of these. Um, mRNA and pregnancy, again, maternal mortality is up over 50%. I just said that. Uh, pilot incapacitation, U.S. Army Aviation Center, Alabama student pilot went into cardiac arrest behind the controls mid-flight, August 18th of this year. Instructor landed the plane. Pilot was dead for 18 minutes. Here's another one. Um, Stevens-Johnson syndrome, mRNA injury series. After the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccine, 700% increase since vaccination started, up 25% are fatal. Up to 25% are fatal. This is, uh, this is horrible. The Steven Johnson syndrome is something that I've brought up on the show in the past. This is the one where your skin melts and, uh, and the skin is com- just completely deteriorates uh, on, on the body of the person. So it's remarkably graphic and that continues to unfortunately be a thing. Here's the most recent uh, It is titled Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccine was designed in one hour. Tsunami of mRNA vaccines coming. And it says 175 mRNA vaccines were already in trials in 2022. I'm going to play some audio here from his substack. He's got a video at the top of this one from a Melissa J. Moore. This is the chief scientific officer for Moderna. So let's give this monster a listen. So when I went on clinicaltrials.gov this morning, uh, it turns out that there are uh, over 175 clinical trials now open using mRNA-based medicines that are recruiting patients. Another 54 clinical trials are waiting in the rings ready to be opened. So there, this is, there is a coming uh, tsunami of mRNA medicines. 
Um, last year, Moderna and AstraZeneca reported positive results from a clinical trial where patients who, during open-heart surgery, were dosed with messenger RNA injected directly into their heart muscles that told their heart muscles to grow new blood vessels in order to get around clogged arteries. In other clinical trials, we are repeatedly dosing uh, patients with inborn metabolic errors to treat their metabolic disease. In fact, one of those clinical trials that's currently recruiting patients is for von Gerke's disease. And for cancer patients, we're creating personalized cancer vaccines. These vaccines are meant to train their bodies, their immune systems to attack their cancers. These are truly personalized medicines, one vaccine for one person. Now, for personalized cancer vaccines to be the most effective, we need to get them made and back to the patient as quickly as possible. We aim for a turnaround time of 45 days. By January of 2020, we had already manufactured, quality controlled, and to de delivered to several dozen patients personalized cancer vaccines. So we had the know-how, um, and the capacity to manufacture vaccines quickly. Thus, when the sequence of the SARS-CoV-2 virus was posted to a public web server on January 10th, 2020, we got immediately to work. Within two days, we had agreed with our collaborators at NIH on exactly which form of the spike protein to put in our vaccine. Because we had done so so many times before, it then took our mRNA design team just one hour to design the mRNA that we immediately, <laughs> that we immediately put onto our um, manufacturing equipment. We were then able to make that RNA, get it quality controlled, uh, uh, fill finish and shipped off to NIH for the clinical trial in 45 days. Now, what I find, what I find truly remarkable is that that mRNA sequence that we, that took us one hour to design is the same mRNA sequence that went into your arms, that ended up in SpikeVax, our now fully approved vaccine. One hour to design a medicine that has saved countless lives. It still gives me goosebumps every time I talk about it. You know what gives me goosebumps? What gives me goosebumps is when the sheep applaud their own slaughter. That's what gives me goosebumps. They're applauding their own demise their own death. They have no idea. Not a clue. This monster should be arrested. And worse than that. They were speaking at a TED Talk. This, uh, this Moderna C CSO, Chief Scientific Officer. And they threw up a couple of slides, and I want to read through them very quickly here. They threw up a couple of images, and one of them is a young boy an image, you know, an outline of a young boy. And he's got two separate needles going into both shoulders. 
just for visual purposes here. It is titled mRNA encoding up to 34 neoantigens. And it says step one, screening tissue samples, tumor biopsy, and normal blood. Number two, it says next generation sequencing or NGS. It says what are the mutations and HLA type for this patient? It says step three, vaccine design, automated bio, sorry, bioinformatics algorithm. It's all gibberish, ladies and gentlemen. It's a fairy tale. Step four says manufacturing, one vaccine per patient rather than one drug for many patients. And then step five is administration every three weeks with a pembrolizumab. I don't know what the hell that is. Either way, it's all made up. No one creates, well, that's not true. You can create a poison in an hour that'll kill somebody. Hell, it doesn't even take an hour to do that. It can take a minute. But all of these people are applauding this, believing that this is somehow going to prevent something and make people well. Or the entire TED Talk room, which wouldn't surprise me because they're all crazy who attend these TED Talks, they're all actually on the depopulation agenda, and they themselves are applauding this under the guise of, it, of the, them knowingly killing people and wanting to kill people and depopulate. But they're applauding because the narrative is that it's being used to save people's lives. It's beyond disgusting. They have another image here toward the end. Uh, it's called isolation or sequencing. A viral sequence isolated from an infected patient. And then within two days, they have an antigen design, which is a spike protein designed to elicit a robust immune response, which now means kill them. Antibody-dependent enhancements, cytokine storm, the whole thing. And then down there, down at the bottom rather, it says mRNA design, and they've got some picture of a calculator-looking thing. And then an hour after that, vaccine manufacturing plus quality testing, and then that leads to clinical trials. This entire process takes approximately 47 days, but they're actually making it, in a, designing the mRNA, so they say, in one hour. And then, of course, they're all applauding themselves right into the slaughterhouse. So I don't know when that TED Talk was. I don't know when that took place. Either way, it happened. You heard it right there, and this is continuing to be a thing. This right here is also continuing to be a thing. This is from resistthemainstream.com. 17-year-old high school football player collapses during game after suffering cardiac arrest. This is from August 22nd. American Heritage High School football player Timothy Burroughs Love, 17, suffered a cardiac arrest and collapsed on the field during a game on August 18th. According to NBC Miami, he remains in the ICU. And I'm sure that all of the family members of, of this individual are baffled as to why this has occurred, and they have no idea whatsoever. I mean, how many times can people be hit in the head with a frying pan, 
on a constant basis in front of endless witnesses before people say, hey, it's the frying pan. That's what's doing it. So let's all put the frying pan down. And why don't we direct our energy and anger and attention toward those who are pushing the frying pan? It can't, it can't get more obvious here. Let me read this now, because this ties into what I wrote in the substack, my last substack, and I've brought this up on the show too. You know this with regularity. This is, this is happening. Endless individuals are becoming ill who are not jabbed. Electromagnetism, the shedding, the 5G towers, the poison that is consumed in food, water, chemtrails, the whole thing. But I received this email from a listener, and I wanted to read this, and I put this out on Gab with their name excluded, of course, but, uh, but this, is, this is what they sent me, and, and this is happening. They said, hey, Sean, I just wanted to touch base with you because a friend of mine was in the hospital for emergency appendix surgery, and we almost lost him due to complications including sepsis. He is not vaxxed. Now, first of all, that's a terrible situation without a doubt. I know that sepsis does exist. It's not just jab-related. Um, and as it turns out, just like in this particular case, unfortunately, um, it can occur after a surgical procedure. So again, it's an unforeseen infection, certainly of a particular body system that can spread through the bloodstream and then impact other body systems. And it is, it is deadly, without a doubt. Um, they continued here and they said, I also have a number of friends who just had the latest flu or whatever it is to go through their households, not vaxxed households either. And I myself have been sick for the past two weeks. It's awful. I have to be honest, although a truther and someone who believes the vax is harmful, I have seen plenty of evidence that unvaxed people are suffering from the bioweapons, poisons, and electromagnetic waves they are bombarding human beings with, unvaxxed but not unaffected. Unquote. Again, the electromagnetic shedding and electromagnetism itself, again, on top of the shedding from the jabs and everything else, this is going to be a constant. This is an ever-present thing that is not going to go away. Uh, it will continue. And yeah, that's, that's the way that it's going to be, unfortunately. But there are still plenty of things, again, that we can do to some extent, certainly. Make sure that we're drinking clean spring water as best we can. Staying away from the GMO foods. Uh, clean foods, again, as, as clean as they can possibly get. Fruits, vegetables, things of that nature. Uh, stay away from fast food and things of, things of that nature as well. Uh, what else? I mean, the list is endless, frankly. but. I recommend exercising. If you don't have an exercise regimen, I highly recommend getting into that. I've mentioned the intermittent fasting. Even Paula from Canada brought that up previously here on the show through an email that I read. It's worked for her and her husband. It's, it's, it's an excellent thing. Plenty of sleep, changing, changing your habits, and changing the people that you're around also. Again, avoiding the areas as best we can that have a ma just a massive amount of electromagnetic radiation. You know, you get a lot of people now going on vacations and then they come back home and they get sick and they don't know why. And then they say, well, I must have caught it from some snot-nosed kid at school or I must have caught it from some snot-nosed kid at, uh, you know, this vacation tourist destination where we all were and whatever else. Chances are 
you were probably just shed on by walking around and being around people who are jabbed, not to mention many of these places with numerous individuals all walking around with cell phones in their pockets, they're walking electromagnetic beings. I mean, they're shedding on us on a constant basis. Everybody is a flipping Bluetooth signal if you're walking around with a cell phone in your pocket. And that's something I avoid. I don't walk around with a cell phone on my person ever. I just don't. I leave it in the car if I go in someplace, or I just don't take it with me at all. But it's things of that nature. Again, these, these Wi-Fi environments are cooking people, and it's, and it's disrupting people's cells without a doubt. So if a person finds themselves in those kinds of environments, increasing the amount of vitamins and minerals that you're taking, even supplements if you're not getting it just from food, is going to be a good move to make, I think. But that's just my two cents. I could be wrong. Uh, let me end with this now. This is interesting, and I'm sure a lot of people can, uh, can connect to this directly. This, again, has to do with our wavelengths of thought, where we are as awake individuals, what it's like to be around the individuals who are not thinking on the same dimension of, of thought that we are, and what continues to come here and what this all means. I liked these two posts. I found these online, and then I moved them to my Gab page, but I want to read them here. It says the following, vibrating out of the matrix, quote, an intolerance for lower vibrational things of the third dimension reflected in conversations, attitudes, societal structures, healing modalities, etc. They literally make you feel sick inside. When we begin arriving in the higher realms and in a higher vibration, our energies are no longer in alignment with the old, outside 3D world. Through a severe intolerance to the old, we are being pushed, quote-unquote, to move forward, to and create the new. In addition, you may feel like staying at home or just being alone as much of everything out there, quote-unquote, no longer matches the higher vibration of you. This is simply a very common experience of evolution. We are moving forward because the outside manifestations are. Being in the old can feel downright awful. It is similar to having to go back, quote-unquote, after you have had a near-death experience. As the ascension process continues, Going back to the lower dimensions will not feel good, nor will it be possible for long, as it is difficult to drop our vibration down in order to reside there. Unquote. Now, you know what that means. I mean, we all know what that means. This is what happens when those of us who are awake and, and know what's going on when we get around the people who don't. It's nauseating. Because you hear the way that they talk, you see the things that they do, you hear the, the way that they might look, or the, you know, they, they tell you the kinds of things that they think about, and we're not on the same wavelength. It truly is a separate wave, it is a separate dimension of thought. And there are endless people who are on it with us, and people who are even higher above us, on earth, here in this meat sack of a body that we've been given. But it's also our souls, I think, that are bringing us to this higher dimension as well, and that's biblical. That's the hand of God. I have no doubt about that. 
But yeah, it's nauseating, isn't it? It really is, but it's worth it. I mean, I don't want to go back to the Matrix, do you? I certainly don't. I want nothing to do with it, and I don't want really anything to do with the people who are there. I observe them like I'm watching people, like I'm watching animals in a zoo. We're not in the cage anymore. We're on the outside, and we're we're looking at all of them still operate inside of the cage. Here's the second and last post. It said the strongest souls on Earth right now are those who understand that there are two overlapping realities, two different timelines. And instead of living in the energy of fear, they prepare to flourish regardless of the outcome of this spiritual warfare. Because these spirits know that they are divinely protected and they are here on a mission to merge the two realities into one higher consciousness. They transmit truth, light, and love because they know that nothing can stop what is to come. Unquote. I completely agree. This is why we are here. If you're awake and you know what's going on and you're searching for the why am I here, what is my purpose, ladies and gentlemen, we are living it. This is it. This is it. This is the beginning, the middle, and the end. This is the entire point of why we are here. We're here to wake up as many people as we can, educate as many people as we can, so that we can not only make it through this, but fight our way through it, destroy the enemy, come out on the other end, and if it's our time to expire, then it's our time to expire. But at least we knew that we did exactly what we had to do. With that said, everybody, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Friday. Make sure and check out the description below for that audiobook and that substack. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.